Welcome to the Mixed In Key podcast. Uh, I'm Adam Hignall and I'm back from my vacation in uh, in France. Uh, no Isaac today, he's moving house, his studio is packed down ahead of the big move. But I do have another of my colleagues with us today, Andy McGurr. Andy may be familiar to some of you as uh, the voice and the face of many of our video tutorials on YouTube. He's done um, some very... Uh, well-received uh, guides on using our plugins, Captain Plugins, Mixed In Key Studio Edition, and so on, uh, to create music in various different styles and genres. Uh, and we're going to talk to him today about his processes and uh, you know how he gets the most out of Captain Plugins, and also the format of making a successful, well-produced video tutorial. Because you know there are many, many artists out there who find that. Uh, it's a real gateway to new fans. Uh, it's a real clever way of using social media these days to build your own brand is to help guide other artists and other musicians uh, to kind of follow your footsteps or to learn from you. So uh, it's a very advisable thing to do if you have a skill to share, to get better at making video tutorials. Andy's going to talk to us about his processes. I'll tell you a little bit about Andy before we get started. He's uh, he's a Dubai um, house and techno and trance stalwart DJ. Um, been playing in Dubai for how many years, Andy? Five years now. Five years now, right. Um, he's released plenty of music under his name, Andy McGurr, and also under his trance alias 03 um, for the likes of Ministry of Sound, Trance Masters, uh, and many more. Uh, and now he's working with us, been working with us for almost the exact same length of time that I have. Um, and he's also, like me, part of our customer support team. So some of you may already be familiar with him. If not, um, check out his music. We'll link to it in the podcast description. Uh, Andy, welcome. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Big pleasure. Big pleasure. Uh, we actually lived together in in the United Arab, Arab Emirates, didn't we, for two, yeah, two and a half years. And it was such a, such a weird thing. <laughs> it was such a weird thing. We were both working for Mixed and Key and we we're both in this little small country. Yeah. You know, when there's people all across the world, yeah. um, you know, working for Mixed and Key and then there's us two. And yeah. Both both from Britain, both yeah. living in the United Arab Emirates. Yes. So, yeah, yeah that was that was quite weird, but and, cool. And, and, and never, and, never and actually managed to meet, never actually managed to meet each other either. I know, I know. That's, that is one thing <laughs> I definitely silly. regret. We'll need to make up for it sometime. Yeah, babies got in the way. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> they do that. They certainly do. Uh, so, Andy, um, where should we start? I mean, you you've been making some really successful video tutorials for us. Uh, why? Let's start yeah. with the technicals behind it. What's your What's your What's your sort of um, talk us through the sort of making of one of your tutorials? Um, I mean, what. Generally, how I start the, the tutorials is look for feedback um, from either emails we get from customers or even on like our Facebook group on, on YouTube. You know, we get ideas. Yeah. And then, you know, when you start to see a trend, you start to see, the, you know, the same questions being asked. You then start to think, right, OK, well, that's a good idea for a video. How can we make that fun mm -hmm. for everyone? Mm -hmm. How can we make it educational? You know, and then it's just a case of sort of thinking about, you know, what the start, the middle and the end. And in all these videos, they have to show, it can't just be like a, you know, like a 10 minute tutorial on how to how to tune a kick drum, for example, using Captain B or, you know, or, or, or something yeah. like that. It has yeah. to have something tangible at the end or even yeah. at the beginning so yeah. that, you know, 
because you don't want to give 10 minutes of your life up to watch a video that might turn out not to be that great. So yeah. it's important to show not just the individual part of the tutorial, but what it amounts to, right. you know, so if it's a, an example track at the beginning yeah. or, or the end, you know, that's probably the, that's probably the key, I think, in, mm. in making a, a tutorial that people like. And thankfully they have been quite popular and we've had lots of good feedback on them. And, you yeah. know, we appreciate the comments, whether they're constructive criticism right. or they're, you know, giving us lots of thumbs up. Both Absolutely. are good because it helps us make them better, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, first, the first tip, I suppose, you're saying is to kind of show the end result at the beginning so people know what, what, what we are sort of working towards. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, that people make music in their chosen style. Mm. And there are some skills that are transferable between genres. Yeah. But I think it's important, you know, if you're making a video about house music, that you, you, you know, you show near the start of the video where this is going. Yeah. Because because then then someone will say, oh, you know what, I'd really like to know how to do that. And then, you know, watch the video. Yeah. And um, I think that's important because, you know, there's a plethora of, um, of videos, of content, lots of great content yeah. out there. Yeah. There's also maybe some average content. Yeah. So you have to make sure, you have to make it, you know, um, you really have to sell it at the start of the video, I guess, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. get some buy-in. I think that's probably the most important thing, yeah. you know, and be clear and concise in the way that you deliver the video yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I've done a few of these um, video tutorials. I don't think it's my sort of natural calling um, to do them. I think I end up rushing them a little bit. And, and I've noticed that you're, right. you allow spaces um, to sort of breathe and maybe to think about what you've just said or... Um, watch sort of what what you're doing on screen um yeah. i guess i get is that a sort of a conscious decision i mean do you have a length in mind for um, example when you start uh, no i try i try not to script it too much yeah. one thing i do do you normally is i'll create the example track at the beginning before i start any recording or even thinking about you know too much i just sit down and make some music because yeah. i think when you do that if you've got an idea in your head what the music should be like you know and you've got these great tools in front of you then you know, you can have fun and you can make a song mm -hmm. and then you can talk about the song. Yeah. So by right. doing it in, in that that way, you've got an end because the song, the finished song is the end. It's just, it's just showing how you got from the start yeah. to the end. Yeah, if you yeah. already know what the end is, it's actually very similar to making music. Yeah. If you don't know what the goal is, what are you going to end up with? Yeah. You know, it's just going to be right. random. If you've got, a, if you've got a goal and you can, you know, work towards that goal, yeah. then th that's kind of how I do it. And there's a lot of editing as well. Of course. <laughs> there's a lot. Of, yeah. You know, it doesn't always come together. When you're when you're making something live and you're being recorded, yeah. you know, and there's that pressure to make sure that it, you know, happens first time. It doesn't always happen first time. Yeah, yeah. And it shouldn't happen first time because that's not how music works. You know, no. you, you hear stories about producers that, you know, come out of a club, but you know, and go straight into the studio and an hour later their their biggest hit yeah. is created. That does happen, but it does, it's not yeah. very often, let's be no, honest. No. So you know, I, I, there's a bit of editing as well, but, you know, I just try to make it as natural as possible, I think. Yeah. And not too much pressure on myself to get it right first time. Yeah. You know, I, I was doing, a, I was actually doing a tutorial today. It's on counterpoint. Uh -huh. And, um, which is something that's amazing. It's something I just sort of discovered myself mm -hmm. in Captain Melody that, that there's this, amazing simple way to create really complex counterpoint melodies uh -huh. i just want to share it with everyone but right. my example mm. the example that i made first time 
it wasn't very good. The second <laughs> time wasn't very good. The yeah. third time it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you have to, it's just, that's part of making that's music. Part, yeah, it doesn't always yeah. It's not always going to come out gold. So uh, what's yeah. Counterpoint Melody for those who don't know? Sorry, say that again. What, what is what is a counterpoint melody for those that don't know? Uh, the best way that I can describe counterpoint is when you, if you're watching a piano player, and one hand is playing the sort of top line, yeah. the other hand is playing the left hand is playing the sort of bass notes, and the way those notes interact, they're they're playing. It's almost two voices, yeah, and right. they're interacting note on note with each other. Sometimes yeah. the notes will overlap. Sometimes they'll be played in the same spot, and other times they'll play off each other. And that put together is counterpoint. That's counterpoint, and it's fantastic. And it really, it's a really great technique. I mean, it's 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 in all music, really, from yeah. classical music yeah. through to electronic and pop music, and pretty much every different yeah. music has counterpoint. But it's often something that's overlooked. I think. Mm. So, in in the example you gave of of using a piano in that in that scenario, the the left hand yeah. is playing lower notes. So does a yeah. counterpoint melody generally have that light and dark tone as well? Or can you have counterpoints that are in the same octave, for example? Uh, I, I think my understanding, and I must make it clear that I'm I, I'm not classically trained in music. My path was, I started playing the guitar, wasn't very good at it, but I, I learned it, to play it somewhat. Mm. I then, then moved into DJing, and from DJing it was production. And I, I, I went and did a course in um, a diploma in uh, sound production. Yeah. So I learned the technical side of it. But music theory was never really something that was my strong point. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. So the way I see counterpoint is just from what I've read about it in books and yeah. what I've you know experienced on videos that I've watched. And I think counterpoint is quite a a broad range term. Uh-huh. I think it can be used to describe the way that maybe even some drum uh, drums interact mm, with certain right. things. Like, you know, I don't think it has to be specifically about, and, you know, I could be completely wrong here, but <laughs> my interpretation of it is that, you know, you have more than one voice and these voices are, are interacting, yeah. you know, in, in different, and they're playing different rhythms. They won't play the same rhythm because if they played the same rhythm, they would, they, it would lose that counterpoint yeah. effect. So, yeah. Different melody, different rhythm. Yeah, you know, it's a contrast um, combined together. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Different contour. Yeah, know? right. Got it. That sounds good. Uh, so yeah, in, in, back to the video sort of side of things. Um, when you are making, like, let's let's talk about how you approach the the genres that you make because. Uh, obviously yourself as Andy McGurr, you tend to focus towards kind of electronic dance music. Yeah. Um, but you've written, shown tutorials on how to make kind of lo-fi, how to make down tempo, how to make uh, techno, how to make, I mean, what other ones have you, did, have you done drum and bass? Is that? Is that uh, I've not done drum and bass. There's no. been trance, there's house, there's um, lo-fi, there's trap, yeah. uh, hip hop, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, pop, yeah. All right. Um, so I mean, there's there's more videos in production as well, which right. I, I'd have to check which ones. But there is a wide range of yeah. of. Um, so quest, of question that. one, question one. What have you learned from the process of stepping outside of the zone that you normally operate in, um, yeah. and learning how the construction of songs in different genres? Because uh, presumably you have to learn that before you can make a video. Yeah, attention. it's a very difficult thing to do actually, because yeah, right. when, when as a producer um, of I think twenty years now, close yeah. to twenty years of making uh, trance, house, and techno, yeah, um, to go and do pop music, it, you know, 
it's it's quite a daunting yeah. thought. And and the way I approached it was to research, yeah. to download MIDI files, you know, dra- drop a song into the DAW, into yeah. Logic that I use, um, and just sort of listen to it and look at the waveform. You know, there's so many different things that you can do to, to learn a genre that, you know, you have to understand what's the tempo range, yeah. what key and scales are often used. Yeah. Um, but if you if you can tick off all these different things, yeah. you start to have an understanding of it. Also, there's the arrangement as well. You know, mm. what, what are the drums like? Do they use a lot of fills? Do they yeah. not use fills? Yeah. Do they use a lot of crash cymbals or do they not, not have any crash cymbals? Yeah. Things, just things like that. And you can build up a sort of, like a formula almost yeah. of yeah. a genre. Yeah. Um, then there's the sound design aspect, which is a complete science to itself. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's just a little bit of practice, a lot of learning, mm. a lot of research, and then a lot of attempts yeah, yeah. until you feel like you're close enough that you can actually have a bit of authority on the right. topic. And and do you feel that it's that, that by going through that process of in different styles of music, uh, apologies if you, if you can hear the loft conversion happening next door to me right now, uh, the, joys of, <laughs> the joys of lockdown. I, I can't hear it. Oh, good. My ears aren't the best. <laughs> That's 20 years. Not anymore, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so so I'm sort of curious, uh, you know, as a, as a, a songwriter and producer myself, um, I have gone into different genres during my career and I've always felt that every time I've, 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 I've gone into a new genre it, it, regardless of whether this what's come out has been successful, um, what I've come away with uh, you know the the sort of what's gone into my brain and has stayed there can then be applied to um anything else that I do in the future it, I think it rounds you a little bit and would you you know is that what you found from going into writing yeah. pop music and yeah absolutely I think the one thing that you know just to, to almost sum up what you've just said is that um you know if you make a certain style of music Go and make other styles of music, and right. then take take some of those tricks and those formulas that you yeah, learned, yeah. and put them into your own music. Yeah. Because ultimately, that's how music, you know, evolves. Yeah. Because you know, if everyone makes the same thing, it doesn't go anywhere. If you take little bits from a different genre and put yeah. them into your genre, yeah, yeah. you know, you mix it up. Similar to, I guess, the the, the two genres competition that makes right. ran a couple of yeah. Ago. yeah. You know, that is that is the key to making fresh music is is to take little bits from from other styles of music. Yeah learn how they're made, learn the formula to make those and then use those in your own right. music. Yeah, and, and 100%. That, that is how it, the evolution of style, is, uh, of music, kind of, it's just a constant process of borrowing things from different um, different sounds, different cultures, different styles, you name it. And, Absolutely. And, 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 and I, I, it's always a piece of advice that I give to, to any, any, any of my students that, like, it, it, you really do get better at making the sort of music you want to make by practicing with different sorts of music, even if it's not necessarily something you can see yourself making in it for a commercial release or whatever. It yeah. just, it's just a good, like little sort of practice step to make. And you can it's learn definitely it. something, it's definitely something, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, by doing this, there's just, there's just so much more that you're learning. And, you know, you, as you say, you can apply it to your own music. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you a, a more rounded producer. Right. Yeah, um, it totally does. And confident to try different things. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the, the one thing you think that'll never work, but I'm going to try it. Yeah. And it could end up, you know, you could have created something that, you know, could just go stellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, and there's so many, if you look at successful producers over the last 10 years, even just the last 10 years, most of them became successful by taking two or three maybe genres and and mashing them together. Yeah, exactly. Making something different. Even if it got boring after five years or two years, they had that year or two where people were like, I like this, I like this, you know. That's exactly it. Like I can think of examples of each country and western and kind of house pop i guess mix those two together i mean you might not even know necessarily that it's country and western but it actually uses so much of the process of country and western songwriting oh yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. i think these are good good examples i mean it doesn't work in every genre no you know it it, it, definitely for more mainstream sounding music yeah uh, i think it's a i think it's an invaluable uh yeah skill to have so well i mean but not not even necessarily only in commercial sounding because i can think of the example of pendulum who i don't know if you're familiar with with them the australian yeah yeah, absolutely yeah drum and bass drum and bass pop drum and bass when they started they were a heavy metal band and uh they they used the structure and the arrangement of heavy metal songs and applied it to really heavy drum and bass and it was a phenomenal success yeah, well, I mean, the, I'm at your your own imagination is your limitation. So yeah, if right. uh, if you you know if if you if you I mean, what I just said about it, you know maybe only applies to mainstream. You know that is maybe not a good thing to say because you know maybe you could you could maybe I think use, it's happened you know, through classical music. music yeah, yeah, classical yeah. music in house became trans, didn't it? You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in a way. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think yeah. it's, it's it's anything. It's, it's constantly happened. Like all all music has just always evolved, and someone's gone. Oh, I wonder if I can take a bit of that and put this into it, and yeah. sudden, suddenly you've got Massive Attack or Portishead or you know yeah. um, even Jamiroquai. You know, this is there's. I'm just thinking of UK acts. I'm sure there's. A million. I mean, you look at the influence yeah. of reggae. I think I think it's it's very easy to um to to look at the the artists that you like and you listen to yourself and sort of copy them. Yeah, and that's right. the, I think that's for most producers, especially when you start out. It's a it's a good thing to do because yeah. it allows you to be able to recreate something and use your ears to say, well, that's starting to sound like that. Yes, it's a really important thing to do. But once you get that skill, mm. you should probably stop at that point and try and stamp your own. Um, make your own sound, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. probably one of the hardest things to do because then you have to take yourself out of your comfort zone that you've yeah. you've learned how to do this, yeah. and now you have to go on your own yeah. and be creative yeah. and think of something completely original. Yeah, I really like it in a in a sound design sense as well to to try that because you learn, you know, you get so used to making your kick drum sound a certain way for a certain type of music, or your snare drum is always going to be at a certain kind of volume in relation to everything else, or your bass yeah. is going to be this, or you, you know, you just get used to it, it, you know, and 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 to know, you kind of do things and you end up doing them in a way that's familiar and you're in control of, but you might not actually be thinking, well, why are my compression settings like this for this instrument? Why yeah. have I, you know, why, why is my arrangement going this way? And actually, to, like, by going into new styles and new genres, you then force yourself to, to really get why you make decisions. And ultimately, that is going to make you a much yeah. better music producer. So if you understand the reason behind every decision you make, you can, you, you've you got total control of the picture. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, things like um, compression, you know, I think when I started out, I remember I used to put loads of effects on everything. And, um, and you know, most, more recently, actually, yeah. what I tried to do is find the source material, whether it's a, 
designing a sound using a preset or even just a sample yeah. that's close to what I want to begin with. Yeah. And, and I use very little effects on things. Right. I mean, I'll use, I use generally you only use compressors on, on, you know, a bus right. or a group. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't put a compressor on an individual sound. Right. I would tend to use, I would tend to use something like an envelope mm. shaper instead. Right. If I yeah. wanted to try and, manipulate the dynamics, the dynamics of yeah. an individual sound mm. so i think as well as less is more for me mm. with making music and that's something that i i had almost had to restrain myself you know um not to put this an extra reverb on that you know yeah. just just use just use um auxiliaries for yeah. reverb and things yeah. just, to, just to add a, a, a little bit of flavor to the overall mix yeah you know and um so yeah i think self-control and understanding your tools mm is so important you know and understanding like what is a compressor what does it do how does it work and what can i use it for is yeah. really important yeah and I, I know when i started i was just like well i the must i must need a compressor and everything so i'll just <laughs> put one yeah. you know yeah. and you can you can work like that and you can spend hours turning knobs and and doing that but yeah definitely i think it's very important to um you know as well as your genre and understand the formulas that make up that style and what other producers are doing. Yeah. It's also to, also to understand the tools that you're using and, and not necessarily just use something because it sounds a certain way. You really yeah. understand what it's doing to the signal. Exactly. Yeah. Before. Couldn't, could not agree more. Uh, so to, to sort of continue with the sort of the video tutorial thing, we've discussed the kind of the, the approach to genres and, and how useful it can be to, to sort of, um, teach yourself the building blocks of different yeah. styles of music so now you now you've you've locked in on a style you've done your research you kind of understand it you've had a few goes at it what's um what's your sort of first step in terms of making that video um well first things first and i said this i touched on this earlier is i would make the example song and try and get right. it as good as okay. i can you did say that um, yeah my bad yeah uh, that, that's that's absolutely the first thing because then i know what the end goal is yeah. um yeah. The hard part then is, you know, and what I try to do is I try I try when I set up the video to record and record the screen, there's a certain list of things I do, you know, I'll put a, a compressor on the output to make sure I don't go into the red and, yeah. you know, and then it was yeah. ruined. Um, and I try to just sort of record and forget that I'm being recorded and just try and flow naturally because what I'm going to do is completely reverse engineer what I've done. So I've practice making it yeah and now i'm going to try and make it again yeah you do, know do you take notes so, to, to sort of remind yourself as you go I, or I, I try not to do mm. no because i think when you when you start having bits of paper with things written down then you move away from the mic and then you go quiet yeah, like yeah, this yeah you know and then, and then then you've got to go back and say repeat the same bit yeah so i, I would rather just chop a bit of video out okay that was just yeah, complete yeah. nonsense right. yeah than and be ruffling through paper yeah, sure. an ipad yeah. that, that's locked and i'm having to type in my, you know yeah. all these things that detach you from the creative zone okay so um, you, 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 I think you really I try be, not to do anything like that so you want to be having a like a sort of a almost like having a direct conversation like we're having but you're having to your audience as it were so yes exactly yeah. and and you know that what that's one thing i should point out actually is um when i finished my college course um i was living in glasgow and i started doing um music production yeah. tuition right. from home. Yeah. And I had a few people that came quite regularly for a number of years. And um, so I, I guess the way that I do the videos is the exact same way that I did the tuition. Right. The way I speak. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's probably 
where I got that from. So the videos that I do now are an, an adaptation okay. of, of, of what that was, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess I always feel like there's someone sitting next to me, even yeah. though there isn't. Well, that's that's probably and a, that a definitely helps to, be in, yeah. to 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 um, you know, to to have that, you know, almost like that you're speaking to an audience, even though they're yeah they've not listened. Well, you, uh, you, and, and and you are speaking to an audience. It's just that there's that degree of separation between the recording and the the putting it out there, and people might come to it in five years' time or two yeah. weeks' time or whatever. But you know, it really. I think I think that would be a useful thing for for every anyone making a video tutorial to to remember is that just to always be conscious of the fact that you do you're not just speaking to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I try to I try to do it the way that I make music when yeah. when the camera is switched off as well. I don't try and do something different or try to think differently because yeah. as soon as you do that, you're just going to end up with something that's not real or not genuine and yeah. doesn't come from the important thing with tutorials, I think, is that you want to share your knowledge, but you want to do it in the most transparent way possible. So you yeah. want to you want to really sort of this is what I have and I'm yeah. happy to give it to you. Yeah. You know, you know, that it may not all be perfect, yeah. but hopefully if, even if you can just, when you watch a 10 minute tutorial, if you could take away one little trick from that, that tutorial, you know, that'll make your music sound better. Yeah. Then I think this has been a success, totally. even if the rest's not very good. Yeah. And what, you know, what's that it, what's one it little bit, because if you watch enough videos yeah. and you get enough of these little tricks, mm. um, then you know you're on your way to making great music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you 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 use obviously Captain plugins uh, for the majority of these videos to sort of do the composition sort of heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. your sort of secret for eliciting the music in different genres using the same the same compositional tool? Yeah, it's a good point actually. Yeah, because everything's quite different. So for for example, if I was doing a techno tutorial yeah i might only use captain beat right maybe okay. yeah. maybe captain chords to do some you know if, if it's sort of like tech stab type chords yeah yeah dark sort of sounding you know filtered down yeah moody sort of sounding um probably wouldn't use captain melody at all right. unless i was unless i was making a bass line right from it. and yeah. melody is so good for making bass lines. i love it if I you don't it. get what you want yeah. from captain d yeah. then call up captain melody it'll do everything totally else. agree and yeah. um and yeah so it depends on the genre if i was doing something like pop music then it would definitely be captain chords yeah i think yeah i would start with and then probably maybe captain beep just to throw down a simple yeah. clap uh, snare and, and kick drum maybe yeah. a, a yeah. hi-hat yeah. just to get just so there's some drums there yeah yeah and, uh, but pop music tends not to be totally heavy on drums no. um, in terms of the number of drum instruments yeah and um, yeah, maybe the melody would be the yeah I don't know you probably the melody after the chords, but sometimes the other way around yeah um, okay and then then you're thinking about vocals and replacing maybe one of the melodies yeah. with a vocal yeah and yeah. keeping another melody as maybe the hook um, yeah and then for yeah. house music again similar to techno but a little bit more musical so yeah I would you know you would maybe start with the drums decide on a key and scale tune to that yeah, key yeah. the drums some not every drum element maybe just the kick drum and the if there's um some drum elements with a, a definable tone yeah then you want to tune those yeah um you maybe want to lock a baseline in a baseline in quite um quite soon yeah and bend chords for sure but again right. it depends on the style if it was tech house which we've not done yet 
which um, could be quite cool for Captain B. Yeah. Um, then you probably would be focusing on drums and bass completely. Yeah, I suppose you would. Yeah. Okay. And um, so are there any styles of music where you lead with the melody? Do you find? I mean, I think it's completely subjective to the person yeah. who's making the music. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any set rule. I think there's there's things that work as things that might not work. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the things that might not work won't work. It just might be harder to get to the end goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of genres with melody first, I can't say that I've written many tracks from just a melody to yeah, begin with. Yeah. Um, but actually today, the, 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 the counterpoint tutorial that I was working on, I mean that was a melody that became not a full song, but an example track. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it just depends on your, your style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your way of working. Mm. You know, many people probably write melodies. You get people who write only melodies yeah. and send that melody to other producers who write the other parts. Right. So yeah. I guess it must be subjective to the yeah. person. I believe. Well, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you might whistle a melody in the shower. Very few people are whistling chord progressions in the shower. Um, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. How many people are in the shower? That would be the, the next question. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have quite a few people in that shower. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, which is an interesting one because I, I think starting, I find starting with a melody quite quite difficult. Um, yeah. Usually because you don't, you know, I'm, neither of us are classically trained. Perhaps if you're classically trained, you just know what key you're in when you put that melody there. But I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't find that. So to start with, the melody can be quite um, logical in one sense, but actually quite difficult to put into practice. And I don't know how, if you've found this, but I would I feel a lot more confident if I were to try and use a melody first by using Captain plugins, uh, because the melody that you write, you can kind of um, you can play around with the key and scale and just get the right key and scale, sort of how it's how, you know you yeah. can kind of do the melody and then change Absolutely, the key and scale yeah. until it sort of sounds how you had it you know yeah, and you can see the tensions yeah. you can see that if you're using a note that's it's not i mean first of all as well as not being classically trained in music i'm also not pitch perfect no and, no uh, me neither you know tuning a guitar was never an easy task yeah and um you know things like that if you i hear about people recording you know whistling and whistling into their phones or you know just taking a note or whatever yeah. of a melody yeah, yeah. and then then later on transposing that into their computer yeah. you know i, I yeah. guess it's doable you, yeah. there's lots of tools in your daw which you can do these things with but it's for me that's never really been the the way that i would work but i i know that it works for some people yeah. no, I've, I've definitely written whole songs from um because i i sing a, a little bit on my songs sometimes and i've definitely written um songs from a, vo a voice note on my phone where I've, yeah. I've had an idea for a chorus and I've just started singing the chorus. Yeah. I've heard uh, you're singing. You're a very good singer. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, uh, and, you know, I think if you're... I think, though, if you can sing, <laughs> being able to sing is such a value, even if you don't actually sing in your recordings, right. in the finished recording, yeah. being able to sing and to, to be able to pick out those notes and sing them is such a valuable tool. And that's not something that I have at my disposal pers personally. Yeah. Um, but I can see how that would be really useful. Right. Well, I feel the same about people that can play the keyboard. I mean, I'm not, I can play one handed keyboard, like ish, like yeah. enough to write, in, you know, enough to write songs, but I'm definitely yeah. not going to stand on stage and, and you know, 
um, yeah. per- perform with my with my keyboard skills, and I'm so jealous of people that can play it really well. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. And, and it's you know it's something that you can either. I, to me, for me, I gave up doing it because I felt like I, I was never going to happen. You know, I yeah. I didn't have the either the dexterity yeah. or the timing, or it just wasn't. It didn't come naturally, and I no. thought, well. You know, let's look at something else in music yeah, yeah, yeah. that you might be good at. Absolutely. That, you know, that you, rather than wasting how many years trying to get good at something that you're not. So that's yeah, why I moved yeah. into um, music production. Absolutely. Uh, well, that was part similar, of the reason as well. For me. And, and I think that, that one of the beauty of uh, sort of beautiful factors of, of tools like Captain Plugins, uh, I know we are kind of, um, you know, going on about our own products, but I, it's a genuine point. I mean, it, it's anything that can allow you to. Uh, create, you know, we're, we're not inherently inferior songwriters just because we can't play a particular instrument, you know, and I think Cats and Plugins is brilliant for that because we can write what, what we want to actually write. I mean, you yeah. know, without necessarily having the ability to do it with our hands. And and, and yeah. that's that's true of people that can play the guitar. I mean, just because you're, if you're a brilliant guitarist, why shouldn't you be able to write great songs on the piano? You know, it's like yeah. you absolutely, yeah. You know oh, yeah, I, I, I think I've met so many um, musicians who can play one instrument great, yeah, but they don't understand another instrument, right. which that part I don't get because you know, this, I think they've just learned from memory and yeah. you know maybe yeah. using tablature if there was yeah, a guitar, yeah. Yeah. And, and not really understood the theory behind it, yeah. which is fine because if you're playing an instrument, it should be fun and that yeah. doesn't really matter, but. Yeah. Um, I think we're, yeah, we're Captain Plugins. It really filled in a gap for me, actually, yeah. at a personal level mm. with my own music. Um, because when I was making songs, writing my own tracks, yeah, I used to do it all in all, all in the DW and I, I'm drawing notes. I mean, when I started yeah, yeah, producing in me too. Me too. Yeah, two, yeah. 2000, I would just draw notes in yeah. on Reason, Propeller yeah. Reason, right, just yeah. drawing in notes, moving, making up triad chords, yeah. and then tr- trying to create a progression with no real understanding of what should come next. No. But if you understood music theory, you would actually know that, hang on, there is something that can tell you what should the next chord be yeah. or what would be a good choice of the next chord. Yeah. You know, and what, what, what notes will work as a melody mm. with this chord progression. Yeah, yeah. And I was just sort of, I was just doing it by ear until it sounded good and it worked. Me too, yeah. But it took forever. It took, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it took so long. It took so long. Yeah. You know, and just being, being able to just be correct in what you're yeah. playing from yeah, the start yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take any of the skill away. You still have to listen to it and see yeah. is that good music. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take any of that away. Yeah, it just enables you a little bit more. I've always said that while you know tools like like Captain allow you to make to sort of make a make music faster, make make perhaps better music, or or just get the music you wanted to get to quicker. It's still really easy to make bad music. Like yes, it's, it's not an easy, it's not a one trick sort of, there you go, right. You've got this plugin. Absolutely. You're suddenly making brilliant songs. It doesn't work like that. Nothing does. And it shouldn't work like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the, the, the skill will always be to be able to listen to something and know if it's not good. Yeah. yeah it's right. great. Yeah. If you can't, if you yeah. can't make that decision and get it right. Yeah. And again, it's subjective. Some music, some people might hate and other yeah. people love, yeah, yeah. but well produced, correct music in the sense that it's all in the right key and scale. It's well made. It's balanced. It's yeah, mixed. Yeah. Even mastered, created. All these different things. Yeah. If you can't hear the, something and say that's not right, then then you're going to have a problem. Yeah. At some yeah. Point yeah. Down the road. Totally. So, um, with regard to the, again, we're, we're sort of 
stick on the videos and the, and the composition kind of that goes along with these videos. So different genres of, of, of video. You've got these tools in inside Captain, like complexity for additional um, chord tones. You've got uh, inversions and you've got different voicings, flavors. You've got the space knob, strum, swing, all of that sort of stuff, which can kind of just like um, decorate your your chord mm. progression, yeah. Um, yeah. your melodies or, or whatever. Uh, when do we, Have you noticed that when making specific genres, they call for more sort of jazzy voicings or more like when you make pop, is it always just three note triads or are you using, you know, like how, how do you make those decisions? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I think that especially with the captain chords, captain melody, captain deep, um, generally are playing one note at a time and unless yeah. you're doing something that's, um, you know, polyphonic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but captain chords, yes, absolutely. The, the, the voicing is so important for the genre. Yeah. And, and that's something that you can only really know through research, I believe. Yeah. Um, or if you if you play the piano and you, you can just hear it and play it like some lucky people can do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, for example, I think, like, one of the first tutorials I did about two or three years ago was on house music chords. And yeah, right. You know, I, I, even though I'd been making house music for a few years, I hadn't really given it much thought no. about which chords are famously used for house music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it turned out that, that it uses a lot of seventh extensions yeah. in the yeah. chords. Yeah. And as soon as you start using those, it's like a, you know, a light bulb appears yeah. above your head. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of those aha moments. And you yeah. realise that, oh, you know, that really does give the flavour of house music when yeah. you use it. Yeah. And it's the same for lots of genres. So... Yes, I think pop's probably one of the, the the styles that maybe doesn't use so many yeah. of these, and you can just get away with the, the basic triads. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly with using, as you say, to decorate the chords, um, it's absolutely worth spending time really understanding what each tool does, from inversion mm-hmm. to um, the, the flavour, the, the chord extensions, to these things that affect the the tonality yeah yeah the flavor of this so it's really important to understand that for the style of music that you're trying to make yeah and just i guess to, to play around see what see what works is is it's just oh, yeah not, i mean yeah. there's so many settings now obviously captain plugins has come on a long way yeah um from version one to version five and but there's so much more you can do now yeah with all these settings you can you can make different sounding chord progressions yeah you make more interesting absolutely. sounding chord progressions. So, yeah, it's absolutely worth Sometimes, I mean, the videos I do are often 10, 20 minutes. I think the longest one's ever 25 minutes, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and it's not possible to go into every single knob and feature no. on every video. No. So what I try and do is just pick out one or two yeah. in each video yeah, yeah. And, and show those. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you the videos I did recently, the how-to guides, the full walkthroughs, yeah. they are the videos to check out. Yeah. If you've got Captain Plugins and you're unsure about any of the settings, what they do and how yeah. they can make your music sound better or benefit you, yeah, yeah. then if you watch those tutorials, yeah. that will help you because it, it goes in, in depth to each uh, parameter and explains the function. Yeah. And not just you know, what it does, but how you can use that in your yeah. music as well. Yeah, I I always find that quite, I mean, I think you do a great job of explaining it, but I find it quite difficult to kind Thanks. of, to, to, to explain these things, because to my mind, the answer is always, 
it depends. <laughs> like you, you could use yes. a ninth here if it sounded good, <laughs> but like it's not. It's not as simple as well, going. Thing, you mean, should use like three ninth chords in 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 a you know in a in an R and B chord progression or something. It's like, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Like, but it, yeah. if it sounds good, then it is good. If it sounds good, it is good. That's always a good rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah. Follow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just. I mean, you shouldn't get too caught up in rules about what works for what. Right. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and just try things. If it doesn't, as you said, if it sounds good, yeah, then it is good. Yeah. Well, this is this That's is all, all you can really say. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 this is such a, an important thing for everybody to have in their mind at all times, whether you're the the, the Grammy winning producer to the stars or a complete beginner. We can all, no matter where we are in our sort of career or journey into music we can all get stuck into doing things because you think you should. And the goal, yeah. I mean, whether it's, whether it's production or comp- composition or anything, there's so many people that, that ask about what's the magic, you know, what should your compression settings be for a snare drum? You know, so, and it's like, it's, the answer is always, yeah, I, it should you be You know, it's a really good, good point that, um, sorry to butt in. No, no. It's a really, I just want to say, it's a really good point. What, are, what should the settings be for something? The answer is, it depends what you're trying to make. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, it's so subjective. And it depends what sounds so, good. You know, what are you, what is it you're trying to achieve? Yeah, are you trying to make yeah. a really snappy yeah. snare or are you trying to, I don't know. It, there's just so, so many questions that you have to ask yeah. as well yeah. to, to be yeah. to give an answer yeah. to that. Exactly. And, and you, you know, you can to a degree say you might want to try something around this kind of area um you know you can suggest for example with chords there's some chord progressions which are commonly used in music that has a more jazzy feel and you might want to try you know a progression similar to that but it's not necessarily going to be the right one it's just it's an area to sort of start experimenting with you've always got to be referring to your own ears and your own judgment and absolutely nobody can do that for you yeah i think that's yeah really important and i think what what I think is a great way to do it is to to learn what things do and how to use them properly. Not necessarily to create something, but what do they do? What's their function? Yeah. And what are the what are the downsides to using? Um, like for example, only recently, maybe two or three years ago, I sent a track of mine to a mastering engineer. Yeah. And he, and he said, "What slope are you using on your high pass filter?" Right. And I said, um, oh, "I think like minus." 48 decibels per octave or something Oof. and he's like well that's far too steep and you're sharp. introducing yeah. aliasing and lots yeah. of problems i didn't know that no right. i didn't know, yeah. i'd never come across that before yeah. i just thought yeah. you could cut as much as you want yeah and when i started using more, much more gentle slopes yeah. and actually setting the high pass filter frequency to a, a larger amount and yeah. having a much more gentle so suddenly my music was a lot warmer yeah that's yeah and that, just sounded so much better but it, it does even um, worse then, things to the bottom end if you start do, using really sharp filter slopes cuts. in the, in, yeah. the in the low end you get all this horrible phasing and stuff it's but it's so common exactly exactly you would think if you look at the shape of your filter you would think that when it's like going straight down you're like good i've got rid of all the stuff below the point that i wanted yeah but that's not how music works. It's not I, how the human ear listens. Yeah, I used to be very, I used to be very clinical about the way I used EQ, mm. and I would do sharp cuts. And yeah. now I, now I really do anything. I'll most sounds, unless they're the bass sounds, I roll off gently the yeah. bottom end. Yeah. And um, very occasionally, I'll do some um, separation 
yeah. type EQ. Mm. So just just if there's a lot of things hovering around the same yeah. area. And yeah. even then, like if I've got two, uh, chords and a melody and they're yeah. fighting for space, usually what I'll do, rather than try to EQ them so that they'll fit together, yeah. I'll just move one up an octave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. whereas before I would try and maybe dial in some really aggressive EQ. Yeah. But what you do, you're introducing so much I don't know, badness yeah, <laughs> by yeah. doing that. You know, you're, you're removing some of the nice harmonics and yeah. adding yeah. ones that you don't want. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely, you should definitely learn when you're using tools to, to write music, mm. you should definitely try and do as much as you can, make it sound good, using the volume, using octaves and using the musical elements yeah. and choosing the right sound for the right point of the track and the right sounds to work with each other yeah. before you even think about EQ. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, yeah. I mean, it's like it, traditionally before electronic music was even a thing, everyone made music in an orchestra or a band or a group of some sort. And it was just what you did. You selected the, like, in a, in a rock and roll band, you had the drums, which filled out, you know, a lot of the frequency band, but in a very percussive way. Then you had yeah. a singer, a guitarist, a bassist, you know, that's your, your, your nuts and bolts of any band. And they naturally all sit in slightly different frequency parts of the spectrum so that it just naturally yeah. does what an electronic music producer needs to be conscious yeah. of doing and going okay yeah. what, what instruments you know selecting your instruments yeah. should be the first step of eqing i suppose yes. in a way yeah absolutely I, I can, yeah absolutely and also looking at um i'm a big fan of of classic instruments the the rolling stuff from the 80s yeah yeah um yeah, I like all these. I like these recognisable timbres. Yeah. You know, when I hear, now when I hear um, a song, often I'll be like, oh, that's a Juno 106. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I love that, being able to, and it doesn't happen very often, I'll just add, <laughs> <laughs> but being able to pick out the sound. And yeah. you know, I think there's, is it Sam Smith's recent song? I can't remember the name of it. Mm. It's got an 80s vibe to it. Right. It's quite okay. fast. It's got an 80s vibe. And I'm pretty sure it's like the, the, the preset number one preset from the Juno 106 right yeah yeah, yeah. uses for the melody yeah. and it just sounds so 80s yeah. and you know that's not a coincidence they've yeah. picked that yeah. sound for the song because yeah. that is what they're yeah. going for that's so right. understanding your instruments and what's available you know if it could come down to guitars pianos yeah yeah you know the cover game one's got a very distinctive sound mm. um you know the guitars as well if you if you're a guitarist uh, Les Paul if you know your guitars yeah. It's going to sound different than a Telecaster, yeah. for example. Yeah. And um, yeah, really getting to know your instruments and what yeah. instruments give that timbre that you, you want yeah. uh, is it, really important as well. And it's something that's quite hard to, to, to figure out. I think the advent of the internet's made it much easier. Yeah. Um, you know, for years I wondered what that acid sound was. Eventually uh -huh. I found out it was a TB303. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? but, you wouldn't know just, that though, unless really before. You, no, and there was nothing to tell you before. No, I think, like no. in the early nineties, uh, I used to produce music with some guys that were around in the early nineties doing it, and they all, they already knew this stuff because they were using equipment yeah. that everybody was using at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that sound became legendary. Yeah. And yeah. then, but then things moved on, and uh, digital audio workstations became mm. the norm, and then mm. VST plugins, and you suddenly you these machines were a hassle or they're expensive to buy because yeah. they're now collector's items. So you started just trying to program your own sounds. Yeah. You could never get that 
that sound that you always try to emulate. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes the best way to get that sound is just to go back and use the instrument. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and now with all these brilliant emulations and plugins, you can get that yeah. basically get pretty close. Or spoiled rotten now, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean that's that's another that's an interesting sort of uh, modern sort of modern problem. First world, yeah. first world producer problems, I suppose. But we've got too many instruments available. Um, I mean, I've got yeah. far too many hardware and software synths to really make a proper choice about what to use. Um, yeah. Back in the day, you might have two keyboards, and that yeah. you'd make all your music on those two keyboards because that's what that's what you had, and it helped you forge your sound as yeah. well. It helped you have a distinct sound yeah. that people would recognize because you only had access to you know one drum machine yeah, yeah. you know a couple of keyboards as you say yeah, or, yeah. or or one guitar yeah. you know and one set of drums that were yeah. you know well, a bit I, worn I've, out i've actually basically started I've, I've um it's funny how these things go in cycles but 10 years ago everyone went in the box because they went oh wow ableton's so amazing it, I, I can do all this stuff i've got these brilliant soft synths i don't need this stuff clattering up my desk space or my office, studio, bedroom, whatever, anymore. So they got rid of all their hardware. But now I think I've got too much to choose from. So I've gone back. to I've, I've got the synths that are in front of me and I don't really use soft synths anymore. Um, not because right. I don't like them and not because they're not brilliant. They are brilliant. It's too much to mm-hmm. choose from. So I'd rather just have, I've yep. got these three synths and I'm like, I'm going to make these work for me. And that's, yep. that's what I'm going to use. That's great. And you become master's. Uh, sorry, but you become a master of those three uh, right, synths. Right. And you know, if you hardware synths are difficult to learn, yeah, because yeah. you know you have to invest a bit of time into yeah. learning all the different sections. I mean, this goes with soft synths as well. But yeah, does, I think yeah. the tendency with soft synth is to call presets up and then you know mold them slightly. Yeah, well, I do the same with hardware. I'm not. I'm not afraid of a preset. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think anybody should be. Yeah. I mean, I remember Rick Wakeman famously saying that he just used the 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 presets in his classic synths, you know, they weren't classic at the time. They were just the synths that Roland were putting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he said, yeah, I haven't got time for this sound design nonsense. I, I, I just want to write the songs and the sounds are good. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use presets as well. I think um, if sound design is such a cool thing, yeah, I do I'd love it. to be really good at it, yeah. but you really need to understand synthesis in yeah, depth and yeah. understand what a wavetable synth yeah. is and how that works yeah. compared to just, you know, like a subtractor synth or, yeah, you know, these yeah. different, different types, you have to really know them and there's a massive science behind it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could really, it's really in depth. Yeah. And I think, I think if you want to do sound design, if you've got the capacity to do sound design, music production and writing music, mm. And that's impressive because that's three separate skill sets. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I have, I must if you admit. you could do two out of three, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But to do yeah. them all and the sound design, yeah. you're, you're getting into the sort of like yeah. uh, alien territory, aren't yeah, you? know, yeah. like genius. <laughs> well, I, I think that what I'd say is, is probably that once you've mastered one, mastering the next one is a bit easier. And mastering the third one is a bit easier again because you have such a fundamental understanding of sound or the yeah. production process um yeah i'm i'm i mean i've you know i'm certainly not an expert sound designer but it is it has some become something that is really taking my imagination now because i think the more you spend time making music the more you want to just develop your skills in something whatever yeah. wherever that takes you so i'm kind of getting better at that i think i think being a big geek about synths definitely helps um the oh yeah, if you've got a passion for, for that, then absolutely. That's, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had some hardware. I had some rolling stuff. Yeah. And bit by bit, I sold it on because I, fe- I felt it was becoming just like an expensive, um, you know, like um, ornament on my desk. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't, and I would just, because it's so much easier, just call up a plug-in, find the sound you like, yeah. write the music. Whereas using hardware, you really have to have that passion for it because, you know, the, the differences now are minimal in terms of the sound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a purist will definitely be able to pick out an analog signal from a digital signal. Yeah, prob- but, probably. But I mean, then there's really, really good plugins that you can put on a digital signal and make it sound pretty much. I mean, yeah, I don't exactly. think you can tell. I don't. I, I mean, although I love analog synths, uh, and I've got a couple of synths that I think sound so unique that it doesn't sound like software. But as a general rule, honestly, you just aren't going to know if they've been processed yeah. cleverly. So I've gone the opposite way to you. I've gone from having hardware yeah, back to just yeah. being completely in the box. Yeah. I, I like to switch up my workflow every every few weeks in some way or every few months, yeah. you know, in some way, anyway, because I just think, for me, it just keeps things fresh. Um, and you just, like, if you change the tools that you use to make music, you, the music that you make sounds different each time, and that's teaches you something and it's learning it builds your sort of whole understanding of the process and just is really fun <laughs> you know uh, but it can be scary i mean i think when you're when you're when you're in your first few years as a producer that can be quite like i'm just going to yeah. stick to what i know but i would recommend yeah. just always having a having a go get get a new bit of kit get a new get a new soft synth and ex- explore it and see what you come out yeah. with uh, or get a new kind of sequencer or get a new, you know, use a different door, like whatever. Just um, if you can, if you can afford it. I mean, there's so many good free ones out there as well. But, you know, that's certainly my, the way I see it. Every every new skill, every new technique and formula that you learn is just an, another tool in your box that you can use. And the yeah. more of these, the more of these tools that you have, the better and more flexible you are as a producer. Yeah. And you can then start to jump between genres and feel confident in doing it because you've got little bits yeah. that you can yeah. use. Then, you know, you can find the rest online, you know, tips yeah. for, I mean, you yeah. can just, if you just start making a, a genre that you've never made before, you can quite easily find a video online that will show you the basics yeah. at least yeah. that you started. Well, and then you can start adding these little tools in that you have yeah. and that you've built up. Yeah, I think that is a perfect summary and conclusion of our conversation today um it's been a, it's been great talking to you thank you for your time yes. uh we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up it's been a fairly long one today yep. but we've had a good chat and hopefully um i mean this this podcast was due to be called uh how to make a video tutorial with Andy McGurr and it's the conversations evolved into sort of a more general production chat and a, 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 an approaches to music making so i don't know what i'm going to call it but it's been a really interesting conversation and i hope our listeners uh will will have lots of of nuggets of 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 advice and takeaways uh from it that they can use in their music production career so thanks for your time mate thanks very much it was my pleasure lovely um weekends call in pretty soon so have a good weekend and uh we'll to our listeners we'll see you all next week